for Brett and Sweet Disposition and uh, Michael McDonald with Sweet Freedom before that. All sweets this morning. Mm. Had a couple is. of rainbows. And uh, we've got an angel coming up later. Uh, I suppose we've got to talk about the situation in Ukraine. I was just thinking that, I mean, my parents told me that um, um, during the uh, the Bay of Pigs and the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, they were, you know, people were really scared that they were going to die, that the bomb was going to go off and that would be it. And um, growing up during the Cold War, I remember feeling f- fairly concerned a lot of the time. And we had a couple of near misses as well during the Reagan era. And then um, when the Berlin Wall fell and uh, then the Soviet Union collapsed, everyone thought, wow, it was a breathed a huge sigh of relief and the world's going to be a much better place. And the 90s were actually pretty good, weren't they? Certainly were. Yeah, and yeah. then it all started going wrong, wrong after 9-11. Yes. And since then, it's just been a catalogue of catastrophes, wars, disasters. I just can't get over how we don't learn from history. We seem to make the same mistakes and maybe that's the human kind. I mean, maybe that's just what we do. We make, you know, it's for want of a better word, but people just want power and, I mean, it's just, it's shocking seeing what's happening and uh, I, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I just find it completely unbelievable. But we haven't learned from history. The history of the uh, the human race has been littered with wars. Or was it Sting said, history will teach us nothing? And yeah. Maybe he was right. But I mean, if you think after 9-11, then we had the Afghanistan war, the Iraq war, the rise of ISIS, uh, the terrorism attacks in the West, you know, in London, in Paris, and uh, Syria. I mean, the never-ending conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. The, I mean, it's just it's just snowballed, and it's you can just can't relax, can you, really? No. Well, it's scary as, as where does it go from here? Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, it seems pretty sure that uh, Putin is attempting regime change in uh, Ukraine. He wants to put a, a Russian-friendly puppet in, uh, in Kiev. And, uh, well, once he's overrun the country, what happens then? Because then he's right up against the NATO countries. I know the Poles are getting quite concerned. The Baltic states are worried. Uh, Hungary, Slovakia, Romania, they'll all be on that frontier, uh, which uh, NATO is controlling at the moment. But um, thankfully, our Western leaders are too sensible to actually attack Russia, because I mean, that would be the end, certainly. Mm. But how do we save Ukraine? I'm sure I, don't, co- I don't know what the answer is, and I don't know how. I can't believe that it's actually got to this point. I can't believe that it's, it's got this far. And yeah. I can't believe also the reactions that... People are very, well, I don't know, but, you know, yes, OK, it's it's one political leader doing what he thinks is right, but it's not Russian people. I, I think we have to be really careful of how we, you know, use our wording in, in situations like this because well, you, you, can't, you can't just generalise on No, you can't, you can't just say and, that... Uh, I mean, I'm sure that, that I've met quite a lot of nice Russians. There are some lovely Russian people, and I think the Russian people generally don't like Putin, but as soon as they sort of start protesting, they all get arrested and casted off to mm-hmm. the gulags. So it's, it's not a free country, and he doesn't listen to anyone. It, it really is a dictatorship. You saw that press conference he had the other night and that signing ceremony, and they're all cowering mm-hmm. in their seats, practically. Uh, so I'm sure the greatest minds in the world are thinking how we can solve this solution, but I mean, I've never had it this bad in my entire life. This is definitely the worst it's yeah. got. And, and the sanctions coming in quite late when you think about I mean, yeah. why, why does a war have to happen for things that are, are right or wrong or, or unjust uh, to be then brought to light? You know, that's, I mean, that's really... Well, there's all kinds hypocrisy. of economic reasons about the swift uh, banking system, why uh, you can't just pull the plug on Russia, because 
I think it's 11,000 banking organisations around what the makes, world. Yeah, but the EU yesterday yeah. at the summit said that they wouldn't actually move on that just mm. yet. They said it wasn't time to do that yet. Well, I don't know what they're waiting for, really, but uh, it's going to cause us a lot of... Uh, pain in the West in terms of uh, energy prices and also um, wheat prices uh, shot up to their highest level since 2012 yesterday because between them uh, Russia and Ukraine produced 30% of the world's wheat and, and Ukraine is actually a vast area uh, dedicated to arable land which produces enough food to feed 600 million people. So. Mm. That's, he wants that as well. They've got very big mineral deposits. They've got shale gas. Oh, it's a, yeah. It's yeah, and there's definitely economic of... reasons why he wants it as well. But, I mean, the overriding reason is he just thinks it's his God-given right to have Ukraine because it's part of greater Russia. But, but can you just imagine what we've... I mean, I don't know, as a, I don't know, as a population, the whole world, you, you go through COVID lockdown, which seemed at the time, you know... The, Yes, I agree uh, with you And then you're totally. suddenly going, actually, yeah. the lockdown was actually not that bad compared to what's going... It's just like one thing after another. Yeah, we, we, we were only just getting over the effects of the yeah. 2008 uh, financial crisis when COVID came. You know, we nearly had a, a Great Depression again. Um, thankfully, the central banks used every weapon in their arsenals to prevent that happening. But... Yeah, but just as the well-being, I'm not talking financially, I'm just talking like... as. As human beings, yes. as functioning and yeah, yeah, getting on with yeah. life. Well, I all think you can it's... do is get on, get on with your own life. You can't let these problems sort of override everything because you just have, have to carry. Well, on. And you have to think of the humanitarian. Yeah, I mean, I seeing know. the children, you know, that people being us. separated. That could and... be us. I mean, all those children dying and people flooding out of their homes and trying to escape to the safety. And we're going to have a massive refugee crisis in the West as well because we've got to put them somewhere, and they, we should welcome them with open arms. Mm. Uh, but so, uh, yeah. It's desperate, it really is. The Press Review is brought to you by BMW Cote d'Azur. Guardian says Ukraine is fighting for its survival after Vladimir Putin unleashed a punishing offensive on the country that left hundreds dead or injured, and world leaders warned that Moscow had embarked on a dangerous new era of imperial expansion. Uh, the continent awoke to the shock of scenes it once believed it had left in the 20th century. Helicopters strafing homes outside the capital, long lines of tanks ploughing even deeper towards Ukraine's heartland, roads choked with refugees, and civilians huddled at underground stations to escape bombardment. The West scrambled to respond with a range of new sanctions against Moscow, with the US also announcing it would send 7,000 more troops to Germany to shore up NATO's eastern borders. But even after the invasion, there were divisions on the strength of the response as Russian forces advanced undeterred by the threats. With ferocious fighting on multiple fronts, Putin's ultimate war aims were not entirely clear, but they appeared to be ambitious. Russian airborne forces descended on a military base just outside Kiev, with the possible objective of forcing open a pathway to the capital, and there's been heavy bombardment of Kiev this morning. In this morning's Parisian newspaper, France's finance minister Bruno Le Maire has said that the impact of the Ukraine crisis and sanctions against Moscow will only have a minor effect on the French economy. Bruno Le Maire says sanctions imposed by the Western countries on Russia would have a relatively limited impact on the French economy, despite rising energy costs. Speaking on French television, Le Maire said the French government is not ruling out an extension of the freeze on gas prices with Russia over Ukraine should the price hikes continue. The local France says that President Macron on Thursday warned Russia of an uncompromising response to its attack on Ukraine, which he describes as a turning point in European history. We will respond without weakness to this act of war, with calm determin uh, determination and unity, he said in an address to the nation. 
In the Connection France, a Trompe-Loy street art piece that celebrates the work of emergency Coast Guard workers has been named the best mural in France over the year in France. The 3D-style piece depicts a plastic bag of brightly coloured children's toy boats and has the words Kit de Secours. BBC World Service News live from London is coming up next, the full English breakfast show. The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Mies Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Can, BMW Store Monaco. A feel-good Friday pop quiz. And it's all about the theme. And I've got Maccas to help me this morning. <laughs> you, know, you haven't. Question number one, it's easy. Uh, Sunshine of Your Love is a 1967 song by which British rock band? Gold Top Milk. Cream. My Boy Lollipop was Millie. a hit for Millie. Small in which year? Oh, God, 1965. No. Six. No. Seven. No, you should have gone down. It was 64. Oh. And finally, She's a Rainbow by the Rolling Stones was used by which company for their television ads in 1999? Apple. Correct. That was a wild guess. I didn't think you'd get that one. It just seemed like an, an Apple type, you know, because just imagine it. Well done. Mm. Riviera Radio. Business. Good morning, Mr. Potts. Good morning. I won't say Friday's amongst this best day of the week because uh, any attempt at frivolity seems a bit sort of lost this morning, doesn't it? Yeah, I certainly agree with you on that one. Certainly when there's a humanitarian disaster certainly playing out uh, on our screens and in, in the homes of people in Ukraine. So, uh, yeah, certainly other things to focus on than, uh, than the weekend. Well, the markets seem to have a dose of smelling salts uh, yesterday and Wall Street actually managed to close up and uh, fairly good gains on the Asian markets this morning. But uh, it doesn't look terribly good as far as uh, US stock futures are concerned. Yeah, quite remarkable in terms of markets. It was a nervous session. It was a volatile session, as you'd probably expect, but somewhat of a mixed picture for equity markets. In Europe, the stock 600 index closed down 3.3% with the banks leading the losses. Then there was the extreme turnaround that we saw during the course of the US trading session. US stocks raised losses and traded higher as investors sought shelter in large cap American technology shares. S&P 500 closed up 1.5%. The Nasdaq gained 3.4%. Oil was up as much as 9% at one stage during the course of the session, but they're paired those advances still up around about 1%. Brent remaining above that $100 a barrel mark this morning. Big Treasury yield reversal as well. If you saw the losses there, uh, the 10-year pushed back to 1.96%. As central banks, particularly the Federal Reserve, still expected to hike interest rates. The reversal of fortunes came as the US, Europe and the UK outlined a range of ramped up sanctions that include measures to stop the uh, Russia accessing financial markets and limits on its banks, the freezing of assets and travel bans on individuals and uh, stopping the exports of technology and oil refinery equipment to Russia. Sanctions, of course, aimed at isolating the country and squeezing its economy. But some analysts would suggest it did fall short of perhaps the most severe sanctions that could have been imposed. Uh, it cut short of uh, hitting energy exports or stopping the financial institutions from using the payment platform SWIFT. Uh, looking at another volatile session, one would suspect today, 
but we are looking at a positive opening call on the European bourses given the gains that we saw on Wall Street and in Asia overnight. Looking at European stocks up around about 1.8% at the open. Currently calling the FTSE up 78 points. DAX over in Frankfurt up 262 points. Yes, yeah, so why is the SWIFT issue um, a, a bit of a sort of stumbling block for the G7 and other nations? Is it because of the exposure of some Western banks to Russian debts? <laughs> well, I think there was some agreement that in order to push ahead with a, uh, a banning of SWIFT, remember that has happened before with other countries, I think it happened with Iran, um, there would need to be a universal agreement on the action that could be taken and the potential consequences of that. It was felt that Europe didn't want to go as far as that at this stage, although still remains an option. Yeah, but and the Russian banking uh, organisation is massive, isn't it? It's huge. It's a significant organisation, there's no doubt about that. But uh, at least 70% of the Russian banks will now fall, or activity from the Russian banks will now fall under these uh, these new sanctions and will be curtailed quite dramatically. I suppose the theory is that if you put a lot of pressure on um, the Russian economy, if you put pressure on, on the oligarchs, then that may eventually filter through to the Kremlin. Eventually, that's uh, something we don't really have time for, isn't it? But uh, uh, saying yesterday that we're all going to end up paying for this one way or the other, no doubt in fuel prices, and also the, uh, the price of wheat rose to its highest level since 2012 yesterday. And that poses a major problem, of course, particularly for uh, countries that are reliant on that wheat in order to make bread for their population. And uh, yeah, it has broad ramifications, there's no doubt about that, particularly within that commodity space. And if you look at the sanctions that were put in place, they, they decided probably not to focus on those areas in an effort to try and reduce the broader ramifications. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't realise how, how much uh, mineral wealth and agricultural development Ukraine has, but it's a, it's a big producer of a lot of things. It's a big producer, there's no doubt about that. It's a vibrant economy and uh, has a great potential to come through and uh, significant in terms of the supply chain for, for certain elements of, uh, that are required by the global economy. Well, the Russian stock market didn't like the look of things yesterday, did it? No, the Russian stock market, in fact, registering the fifth worst crash in stock market history. Its investors sold the nation's assets following the country's invasion of Ukraine. The benchmark Moex index closed down 33%, raising $189 billion in shareholder value. The decline matches the Hang Seng's um, index decline in the aftermath of Black Monday's crash in 1987. In fact, the biggest single-day drop on record was Argentina's 53% slump in January 1990, when the country was in the middle of a uh, economic crisis and, of course, fighting hyperinflation. The Moex was the cheapest stock market anywhere in the world yesterday from a price-earnings perspective. The ratio there fell below three times. Uh, that compares the MSCI World Index, which trades on a 16.8 multiple. Uh, but we have seen some recovery in the Russian stock market this morning as well. It's up around about 16% today. Compared with um, other um, sort of financial disasters, such as the 2008 financial crisis, uh, the COVID uh, epidemic, I mean, how does this compare? What kind of impact do you think it'll have on the global economy? Well, markets aren't looking at the same systemic global risk from this, certainly at this stage, as we saw from the financial crisis or indeed, as you say, 
as a result of the pandemic. So one suspects that most analysts believe it will be relatively contained. There are areas, of course, where you can see uh, potential areas of tension. The energy market is obviously an important area of that and the potential ramifications that it could have for central bank policy as a result of higher levels of inflation starting to filter through. We've been talking about some of the banks that have exposure to Russia, some of the uh, the French banks, the Italian banks, the Austrian banks, for example. But the banks are in much better position today than where they were before the financial crisis. They're much better capitalised. So the risk of a financial crisis emanating from this still remains relatively low, one would suspect. And the trade effect beyond commodities is actually relatively limited. I mean, the reality is that probably um, beyond the Baltic states, which there is obviously some element of, of impact in terms of trade, but the reality is most countries import more from Russia than Russia imports from them. OK, foreign exchanges, please. We've got the pound against the dollar coming in at 134 this morning. Euro dollar coming in at 112. You're going to get one euro 19 and a half cents for your British pound this morning. Right, I'm off to buy some Weezabix before it doubles in price. Have a nice weekend. Have a good weekend. Hank Paulson from Barclays. On FM and DAB Plus across the Côte d'Azur, on your phone and worldwide online. This is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south of France. Sarah Lysa has the top stories across the Riviera. Ukrainian nationals have demonstrated in Cannes and Nice. Uh, Thursday saw a handful of Ukrainian residents here on the Côte d'Azur gather on the Quasette in Cannes and the Promenade in Nice to express their concern over the war in Ukraine. More demonstrations are planned today and Sunday. Meanwhile, speaking at the end of the European Council in Brussels on Thursday, France's President Emmanuel Macron has accused Vladimir Putin of wanting to stutter European history. The summit had been organised due to the crisis and now war between Ukraine and Russia. Macron also indicated that France would accelerate the deployment of soldiers in Romania within the framework of NATO in response to the invasion of Ukraine by the Russian army. Uh, during the summit, the EU approved a new set of sanctions against Russia targeting the finance, in energy and transport sectors. They also plan to expand their list of people deprived of access to EU territory and whose assets will be frozen. In other news this morning, leader of the far right, uh, far left rather, political party in France, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, has obtained the 500 sponsorships validated by the Constitutional Council to stand for the presidential election. Mélenchon is the eighth candidate to be able to participate in the elections. As far as um, so far, right uh, far right leaders Marine Le Pen and Eric Zemmour have still not reached the number of signatures required. On Thursday, Mélenchon thanked the elected officials who had made it possible. Tomorrow marks the end of the carnival in Nice with the burning of the king. The event starts at 8.30pm and entrance is free for those who come in fancy dress. 3,000 additional places have been made available. For more information, you can go to www.nicecarnival.com. Finally, Bison Fute has announced that today and tomorrow will be busy on the roads as it marks another crossover weekend for holiday makers in zones A and C. Difficulties are expected in the Auvergne-Rhône-Alp region. Both days have been classified as orange in the direction of departures in the Ile-de-France and in the Auvergne-Rhône-Alp region. Riviera Radio, Sports News.
Rugby Union. It's the third round of the Six Nations Championship this weekend as France look to pursue their dream of securing the Grand Slam. France will play Scotland at Murrayfield tomorrow at 3.15. Oh, oh I'm going to have to go for... I'm going to get shouted at either way. France. I think France will win, yeah. yeah. England face Wales at Twickenham at 5.45. Uh, England. Well, I'm going to stick my neck out and say Wales. Uh, Manu Tuilagi's latest comeback has been devastated as he picks up a hamstring injury in training. He'll miss the game. Ireland play Italy in Dublin at 4pm on Sunday. Yadda, yadda, yadda. Ireland. Only one winner there. Yeah. And it's not going to be Ireland, uh, Italy. Uh, there are three games in the Gallagher English Premiership tonight. Bristol play Wasps, Sale play London Irish and Worcester play Harlequins. In the United Rugby Championship, Zebra play Bulls and Leinster face Lions. Football, Arsenal's recent run of good form has continued as they beat Wolves 2-1 last night in the English Premier League. Marsden will be delighted. He certainly will, jumping up and down. Yeah, and uh, Arsenal's sort of are still with the chance of finishing in the top four. They've got a couple of games in hand on the clubs ahead of them as well. In the Europa League, Rangers are through to the last 16 after drawing two all against Borussia Dortmund on the nights to take the tie 6-4 on aggregates. While in the Europa Conference League, Leicester are through to the last 16 after beating Randers FC 3-1 away on the nights to take the tie 7-2 on aggregates. But Celtic are out after losing 2-0 at Bodo Glimt to lose the tie 5-1 on aggregates. Still your favourite side, is it? It certainly is. Uh, we'll take a check on the weekend's Premier League fixtures after the latest from BBC Sports. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hi, I'm Al Ross of BBC Sport and Arsenal hit a 95th minute winner against Wolves to move within a point of the Premier League's top four. Alexandre Lacazette had a strike that was tipped into his own net by Wolves goalkeeper Jose Sarr. Huang Hee-chan's early goal had Wolves in front until the 82nd minute when Nicola Pepe fired home after a brilliant piece of individual skill. Only for the Gunners to win it 2-1 with almost the last kick of the game. The Wolves boss Bruno Large was proud of his players despite the defeat. I'm happy because we lose but in the same way proud of my players because they did everything I asked. They run for the team, we create our chances, uh, big support from the fans and I believe the fans go home. With the same feeling that, that I have, unhappy because we lose, but proud of what the players did. Meanwhile, the body that organises Premier League referees has agreed to a request from Arsenal for a meeting over some recent decisions that have gone against them. Manager Mikel Arteta revealed he'd made the request after Gabriel Martinelli was sent off two weeks ago, Arsenal's fourth red card since the start of the year. Leicester have eased through to the last 16 of the Europa Conference League, overpowering Danish side Randers 3-1 on the night and 7-2 on aggregate. And there's more Premier League action on Friday with Inform Southampton able to close the gap to the European places if they can beat bottom side Norwich. Southampton boss Ralph Hassenhuttle is wary of getting complacent. This is um, good to watch, but it's a... A situation that doesn't last forever if you want to, to lean back now. If, if you do this, then it goes in a different direction immediately. So the Premier League is too strong to lean back. The guys are hungry and they want to show up again. And I'm very, very positive that we have seen a very intense and good game from our side. And for more football news from the BBC, go to bbc.com slash football. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. So, in the English Premier League tonight, Southampton play Norwich. A home win for Southampton. What are you laughing at? He's I'm happy. happy. <laughs> Bruno Large. Yeah, well. I think he smokes a big fat cigar <laughs> like Ron Atkinson. 
Uh, on Saturday, Leeds play Spurs. Ooh, could it be four win, four defeats in a row for Spurs? No, I think they'll have an away win. Do you? Yeah. Well, they lost to Burnley. Yeah, well, they have to turn things around, won't they? They have to pull their socks up. Dirty Leeds for me. Uh, Brentford hosts Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah. Bryson against Aston Villa. Tricky one, tricky uh, one. It's gone off the ball a bit, hasn't it? A way yeah. win for Aston Villa. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. I think that might be a draw. Crystal Palace against Burnley. Home win for Crystal Palace. Sorry, Stuart. I think Burnley are on a roll. Come on, Burnley. Burnley. Manchester United against Watford. Oh, dear, Maccas. It's not going to get any better, <laughs> is it? Oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, it's going to be Man United. I think so. And Everton against Manchester City. Man City. Mm. On Sunday, West Ham play Wolves. Crikey, it's never ending. Uh, Wolves. Really? Yes. West Ham. And also on Sunday, it's the League Cup final between Liverpool and Chelsea. Oh, anything could happen. Well, I'd like Liverpool to win. Well, so, yeah, I'd like Chelsea to win. But <laughs> what happens if um, they suddenly decide to freeze Roman, Af- uh, Roman Abramovich's As assets said, well... during the match? Do, <laughs> do you think all the Chelsea the players will be told to stand still and freeze? Well, what would you do, seriously, if you suddenly didn't get paid? Would you go and play your game? Well, I think on the amount of money they're getting, yeah, they I could afford they could not do, to be paid yeah. for a few weeks. <laughs> exactly. At least, but, One uh, would like to think they'd show up anyway. So this is the joys of uh, supporting Chelsea. You take the highs, you take the lows. It's a game of two hours. One day you're over the moon and the next day you're sick as a parrot. Formula One, the new Mercedes driver George Russell says the team is behind Ferrari and McLaren following the second day of pre-season testing in Barcelona. Charles Leclerc and Ferrari clocked the fastest time in testing with Pierre Gasly in the Alfa Tauri second and Daniel Ricciardo in the McLaren third. Russell says that both McLaren and Ferrari look to have things under control and there's more work to do at Mercedes. We've heard that before, haven't we? Uh, Testing concludes today but will resume next month ahead of the first Grand Prix of the season in Bahrain. Cricket, the former Australia wicketkeeper Rod Marsh is in a critical condition after suffering a heart attack. Marsh claimed 355 dismissals for Australia in 95 tests. He also played in 92 one-day internationals before retiring in 1984. The 74-year-old fell ill while travelling to a charity cricket match in Queensland. Finally, stumps on day one of the second test between New Zealand and South Africa in Christchurch. South Africa won the toss and decided to bat. At stumps, they'd reached 238 for three, with Temba Bavuma 22 not outs and Razzie van der Dusen 13 not outs. Here's the marine weather forecast for coastal areas up to 20 miles offshore the Alamara team in the VAR. The general situation is a ridge of high pressure, 1,030 millibars over southwestern France. Our winds are variable, force 2 to 4. The sea is slight, visibility is good. Barometric pressure at Saint Jean Cap Ferrat, 1021 millibars. And the outlook for Saturday, partially cloudy, force 2 to 4 northwesterly winds, slight seas, and good visibility. For North Corsica, winds are southwesterly, force 5 to 6. The sea is moderate, visibility is good. Barometric pressure at Cap Corse, 1,020 millibars. And the outlook for Saturday, partially cloudy, force 5 to 6 southwesterly winds. Moderate seas and good visibility. Riviera Radio, weather. Clear skies today, moderate westerly winds across the VAR, top temperature 17 degrees, overnight lows 7 to 9 degrees on the coast, 3 to 5 degrees inland with partially cloudy skies the weekend, clear skies tomorrow with a high of 16, partially cloudy on Sunday with a high of 14 degrees, finally. You've been doing a bit of shopping recently with uh, two jackets and... Now come on, I mean... (laughs) 
I haven't exactly been pushing the boats out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely always in the hunt for a bargain. I considered I was getting a bargain, so... Well, yeah, it's just up my wardrobe a bit, Sarah, you know. A survey in the UK has shown that the average shopper has 26 items of barely worn clothing worth £200 in their wardrobe. In a world of fast fashion, many admit buying items on a whim, with 65% saying they have at least one item that they had never worn. As many as 6 in 10 admit neglecting certain items simply because they get buried at the back of the drawer. Uh, the study also found that the average adult reckons a fifth of their clothes don't fit. Yeah, I think I've got a lot of things I don't really wear anymore, mainly because I can't fit into them. Uh, you're up to date. The news is on the website, rivioradio.mc. It's 17 minutes to 8. Uh, sunshine, lollipops, sweets, rainbows and angels. And good morning to Dorothy, who I quite often bump into at the Leclerc supermarkets in Valerice. We have a nice chin wag, you know, in between the shopping aisles. In fact, last week I saw her in the car park. Uh, for you, uh, Dorothy, here's Bobby Hebb and Sonny. So 